On this episode of Her Wild Outdoors, Allison Vogus joins me from Indiana, and we get to talk a little bit about adventures across the globe. We get to talk about some of her favorite hunts, catfish noodling, and her book that she's put out, her children's book, Chasing Deer. So join us for this conversation, and we hope you enjoy it. All right, everybody, thank you for listening in to another episode of Her Wild Outdoors. Today, I'm honored to have Allison Vogus with us. And Allison, thank you so much for joining me on this Friday morning. Absolutely. I'm so excited to be here and talking with you today. Uh, I've, you know, looked at some of the other ladies that you, you know, you've spoken to some really amazing women. So it's an honor to be here with you this morning. Oh, I think that every single woman that I've talked to has, before we've gotten started on a podcast, has said, I can't believe I'm talking on this podcast. And it, it surprises me every time because honestly, every single woman that I've talked to, whether they have, you know, thousands of followers or, a hundred followers, I think that every single woman has such an amazing story to tell. And it it brightens my day and it fills my heart just to be able to talk to women like you. So um, I think that everybody feels that way when they listen as well. So I'm excited. I'm excited to get to know a little bit more about you. I think that social media, depending on how you use it, um, you get snippets of life right. and, and a lot of times it's just the highlight reel, but I think that you do an excellent job of posting real stuff. And, um, I appreciate that. And I think a lot of other people who follow you do as well. Uh, I, I really appreciate that sentiment too, because that's part of my goal, you know, is to just show, you know, be real with everyone. Mm-hmm. And I'm not the type that can really, um, fake anything like mm-hmm. people, you know, I wear my emotions on my sleeve for the most part. So I'm, I'm kind of an open book. And so I just, I think that follows through with, you know, different posts yeah. that I make. So I think, thank you. I think I'm my favorite I- part's the stories. <laughs> Oh man, I love telling stories too. Like, and hearing stories, that's probably, that's one of the best parts about, you know, deer camps and stuff like that. That's one of my favorite parts is listening to everybody's stories that they have to tell. I agree. I agree. And I think that, um, you know, hunting with more women recently, it's been interesting to sit around whether we're together at a hunt or we're talking on here or just in conversation back and forth on Instagram, hearing people's stories, the relatability to it is the best part. Whether we have the same experiences or not, we still have those same emotions of excitement or of, of you know, heartache or it, yeah. you, you can, all of the, we've all experienced it more for, you know, or yeah. will experience <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But no, I've over this past year, you guys have had um, 
a little bit of all those experiences uh-huh. and all of those emotions and following you through your stories that you post on Instagram, which I feel like that's where you see a lot of people's real life is in those stories. Um, uh, but you guys have been through the gamut this year. We have, you know, 2020 was a rough year anyway for mm. Everyone, I would say, I mean, it did. There were some good parts of 2020, just like spending time with family and, mm-hmm. you know, focusing on that. Our whole business went up in flames when our barn burned down. So right. um, that was, that was, you know, like a really tough part of 2020 for us this year. It could have been worse, um, but we are... Right now, as I'm talking to you, I'm looking out the window um, and I can see we've rebuilt. Mm -hmm. We have two barns now. We have a hoop barn um, for our sheep and hay and things because we we believe that it was equipment that, you know, sparks started the fire. Um, And then we have another barn for all of our lawn care equipment. For those of you who don't know, um, my husband and I have a lawn care business. And so that's how you know, that's, that's our job. And so we lost all of our equipment, our fertilizer, our seed, just every, oh every goodness. tool. We didn't have a hammer <laughs> through oh that burn the fire, but insurance, you know, was able to cover everything. So we're currently finishing up our rebuild and, and restocking all of all of our equipment. So I think that's like you said, COVID started it. And then in the government and, and then you jump and then you jump into this heartache and it is, like you said, insurance, that's why you have it, but it doesn't take away those feelings of loss and, um, man, my heart went out to you on that. that That's the only thing we can't get back. Unfortunately, was my horse, but, Mm -hmm. um, he, you know, it was just, it was like, oh, of course we have a barn fire on top of everything else this year. Yeah. <laughs> but then, you know, ultimately we can, we've been able to rebuild, um, to, cause we bought, we purchased this place. So now we're able to rebuild it the way we prefer. And so it's, you know, there's a lot of it, we're coming back. Um, and this year I'm hoping we'll be a much better year than, than, than the last one. Good. It's, it's in how you respond to those types of situations. It's how you see the light at that end of the tunnel. It's how it's that positive outlook. And I can see that in you guys. And so I'm excited to see where things go and how now that you have it in a way that, like you said, it, it will probably Mm -hmm. work a little bit better now. I hate getting to those situations sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. It's tough. It's tough. You know, when you lose some like sentimental things that you can't Mm -hmm. get back at at the same time, they're just, they're just possessions. Like, you know, I can, a new saddle, I can get another horse or different things like that. I mean, it's not the same, but, um, but you move past it and yeah, we're doing great. So excited. Our season's going to start up here in March. We'll start our first round of spring applications. So yeah, we are gearing up for that. So, (laughs) yep. (laughs) You work hard so you can play hard. Y'all just got back from a trip. That's exactly. Yeah. I'm actually, I'm really fortunate because, so we do four applications. We do lawn applications. We used to mow and do that 
that kind of stuff, mow and weed eat on top of the applications and overseeding, but it got to be where it was too much for um, Blake and I. So we sold the mowing side. Now we strictly do the applications and um, we ha- we do four a year in addition to like aerating and overseeding yeah. in the fall, but it makes it easier on us. So winter time, we don't work at all. Mm. And then in the summer, it's we don't have applications in the summer. We'll maybe do a few bigger landscape jobs, but that's about, you know, we have some freedom there. So it makes it easy for me if I want to get away or we do a lot of traveling. Um, that's one of the big pluses. Like we work super hard, unfortunately in the fall, which is a great, you know, <laughs> which is, time. Which, um, <laughs> yeah, there's so much, yeah, there's so much you want to do in the fall and escape and go hunting. And, um, but at the same time, we do have a lot more freedom than other people as far as our schedule goes. So that's a big plus. Well, tell us, let's go back just a little bit and tell me kind of about who you are and how the outdoors, because you and I talked before we started recording, Mm -hmm. the way that the outdoors infiltrates into your family is so versatile. It it actually goes beyond hunting and you guys really appreciate – Um, all different aspects of the outdoors. So tell us a little bit about you and how it began. I guess I've always been a little bit obsessed with the outdoors. Um, You know, my dad and and my mom, we, it was always a big part of our lives. Anytime it was sunny or the weather was nice, we would go for a hike or we go fishing. We did a my, my parents loved to fish. We go fishing at, um, like my grandparents ponds and stuff. And I loved exploring creeks with my cousins and just, I would even, my mom was a librarian, so I would take books. So we read a lot, but I would read outside. Like I'd go find my favorite spot by yeah. a creek and yeah. sit and read books. And And I remember when, so my parents built their house, which was ultimately ended up being my, where we spent a majority of the years of my life in that home. But when we were building, we lived in uh, just a little mobile home. And I honestly feel like those were some of the favorite years of my life because it's not like you could spend time indoors. There wasn't much room inside. So we, we were always outside doing something, my brother and I, and just exploring and playing and Um, it's, so the outdoors have always been, you know, kind of special to my, to me and my heart. And, and, you know, my husband, he's always been a big hunter. I grew up hunting with my dad, but he was, he was big into quail hunting Okay, and that was about it. Quail or like squirrel, small game, rabbit occasionally, but we always had bird dogs in every year. Um, once quail season opened, that was that's what we would do. Um, and I go with him a lot just because I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed watching the dogs and, um, I was pretty much the one in charge of fleshing the birds. I didn't really go with a gun. <laughs> I would yeah. just go along. Um, but yeah, that, you know, so then I met when I, um, met Blake, who's now my husband, we, he kind of got me into deer hunting and turkey hunting and, um, you know, other seasons that I hadn't previously taken part in. And I just fell in love with every single one of them. So, um, 
Yeah. So, and not just hunting, but I love to fish, you know, and we travel every year in the summertime. We, we like to take a Jeep trip out to Colorado. Um, we'll basically just load our Jeep on a trailer and trailer it out there. And we'll spend a couple of weeks, the three of us, um, just getting away, kind of getting off the grid up into the mountains and, uh, explore some of those trails and, and, you know, that's, that's a trip we all look forward to every year. It's so much fun. My son, who's now he's four. Now we've gone, I'm trying to think we've gone two or three times with him and he just loves it. He talks yeah. about, that's all he talks about. It's like the mountains. Uh-huh. If you see somebody, he's like, Hey, have you ever been to the mountains? Oh, <laughs> so, I mean, it's just neat. And like, and we go in August. So the wildflowers there are, you know, just incredible. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so. it's probably a little cooler <laughs> than where you it are. <laughs> yeah, there was even snow, you know, we're up at levels of about 10,000 yeah. feet, eight to 10, I think is mainly where we're camping. So there was still some snow up there. I love <laughs> it. It's beautiful during the day. It's sunny and maybe, you know, fifties and sixties. And then at night it cools off, but yeah, it's, you know, any time, you know, we work outside. We're just, that's our life. Yeah. Well, that's like hearing your story. It, I grew up camping. We had a family of, there were, we had five kids, we had, you know, dogs, we had all of that. And so Mm -hmm. the, the way that we saw the Eastern part of the United States was camping. We couldn't afford to go in hotels or anything like that. So we would (laughs) camp all up and down the Shenandoah Valley, Florida. We would just camp everywhere Mm -hmm. that we went. And if you're in a tent or if you, we grew up in just this little bitty 1300 square foot house with all of these kids, we were outside as well. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And that's, I wouldn't trade that time growing up like that for anything. And it, I think it develops a kid in a way that video games could never do. Television could never do. Even public school could never do. Um, Just being able to get out there and be out there and, uh, yeah, use your patient and explore. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times we, had forts and we're battling it right. out between the neighborhood oh kids. <laughs> yeah. It's so, that's so funny you mentioned that because my husband always did the same thing. He was like, we would go make forts in our neighbor's creeks. And I'm like, yeah, we, I didn't make, I think I did. I would try to, I pretend I, you know, would make my own TPs and like, and, and invent some soups. Like I'd make mud yes. and pick all these stuff and make my own pretend tinctures or whatever. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And it was, I think that it made us adaptable to whatever situation would come up because Mm -hmm. you, you had to work with others, right? With other kids, whether they were your siblings or your neighbors, you had to learn how to work with each other. Um, Mm -hmm. my mom in the summertime would throw us outside as soon as breakfast was done, put a cooler of water and lock the door and be like, y'all have fun. (laughs) (laughs) Love that. I'm like, I'm going to take some notes from your mom. (laughs) I know, right? We'd hear the whistle at the end of the night as the sun was setting. And that was our 
cue that it was time to come home for dinner and she'd throw sandwiches out halfway through the day. But that, I mean, as a mom now, I'm like, yes, I, yes. (laughs) So important. I think it's so important for kids, like just to, to grow up in a way that later in life, they can appreciate those moments like you're talking Mm -hmm. about now. And those memories or what you hold, like the, the best memories I have were outside and like, we would go camping too, or outside, you know, my dad, he went and got a rope and made me a rope swing in the tree out back and like, mm-hmm. and different those of just playing outside, exploring and, um, him taking me squirrel hunting or just different things like that. I have such a deeper appreciation and an even bigger love I feel like for the outdoors because my parents my mom did the same thing she pushed me and my brother outside she'd be like you all need some fresh air yes go out play and then you know when it was lunchtime we'd come in and have lunch and she'd kick us back out again so I had a similar childhood to you I think um Mm -hmm. and I appreciate that they did that because it it's you know it kind of forged a love for just being outside and enjoying the outdoors that I feel like other people, you know, who didn't have those experiences don't quite understand and appreciate. Yeah. There was, there was a sense of, I, we had to entertain ourselves versus be entertained. And that creates independence. It creates the ability to conquer goals. Like there are a whole lot of lessons to it that I don't think my parents even thought about it in the beginning or at the time, but I appreciate it more now. And I think it made, I mean, I'm a solo hunter most of the time, Mm -hmm. unless I have a kid with me. And I feel Uh, like it prepared me to, I'm not afraid of walking outside by myself. Now you get the jumps when you're walking in the dark, right? (laughs) I respect nature. (laughs) Right. But I've, I agree with that. Like I'm not, you know, I've had friends ask me like, aren't you scared walking alone in the dark? I'm like, no, like what, there's nothing out here to be afraid of, at least not in Indiana and Kentucky. You know, if I go to, I went on my first hunt in Colorado and I'm not, you know, as, as, I'm not as used to like having bears and other predators like that around, but even then I still wasn't that nervous. I'm like, we humans are the ultimate predator. Most animals are going to go the opposite direction. So I think that going into the dark, going into property that I know is a whole lot easier than going onto public land. And it's not because I'm afraid of nature. It's because my fear is more for other humans. And that kind of goes along with what you're saying about humans being the ultimate predator. They're the ones I fear when I go out, not nature. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. I have, it's so funny you said that because I feel the exact same way. And we actually have a lease in Kentucky and I've always been comfortable out there. I, I drive an hour and a half by myself, you know, if I get the chance yeah. and I'll hunt and I've always felt comfortable. But this past year we caught another hunter walking our property. We caught him on, on camera. Um, and so since then I'm now like way more nervous about, you know, mm-hmm. leaving in the park at night alone because I'm, I'm like, am I going to run into him? I don't know who this man is. Like, 
And so that's, that's really what, <laughs> yeah. if I'm nervous about anything, it's like you said, running into another person. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel you there. I haven't had nearly as much experience on public land um, besides Colorado when I went this past year, but um, I don't think it's not yeah, much different. I think the only difference is the ability on private land to become more familiar with where you're hunting. And there are some people around here that are WMA land. They've been hunting their whole entire lives, so they are familiar with it. So I think it's just yeah. how wow. much you've walked that property how often you go in mm-hmm. in the dark, but still, I don't go anywhere without a pistol just because I don't, yeah. I've run into some shady characters out there. We've, I had my son right. out, I had my son out two seasons ago and we were sitting there. It was the coldest day of the year and we had been sitting all afternoon. I checked him out of school early because I thought, okay, I've patterned these deer out. There's one going to come there. At least one is going to be walking through here, if not more. And we're sitting there. And right as they are supposed to be walking through, there is a man that walks like not even 150 yards away. And he's got a rifle with him. And it was private oh. property. And he should not have been there. What? So. Oh, that- frustrating. It is so frustrating. It is archery season. So it's not like I can be like shooting a gun up in the air, like scaring him away. It was more of, you know, got to call the cops, got to, you know, bring a game warden in and and have a conversation. And it was like that ruined, not my hunt. I wasn't there to hunt. I was there for my, (laughs) my nine-year-old. So. Right. Ugh, and you it's on the school just for to yeah. enjoy. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it is. It's people oh, that throw me off more than anything mm-hmm. else. Now we've got rattlesnakes here, um, uh, where we have been hunting this year. It's kind of like you. It's an hour and a half away. We'll get up two in the morning and drive down <laughs> and and walk in and in the heat. Because Tennessee doesn't cool off until November, uh, in the heat, you've got to worry about rattlesnakes. So that's the one thing that I think would make me a little hesitant walking through is just making sure where our feet are going (laughs) is is a safe place. But yeah, people are my biggest concern. Gosh, I we only the. We don't necessarily have to worry about, I know there's a few places in Indiana you can find rattlesnakes and some copperheads, but, um, yeah, fortunately that's not something, I mean, I love snakes, so, Mm -hmm. but I don't have, I also don't typically have to worry about snake bites around here. Yeah. Costa Rica story, but which our (laughs) family loves to go there every, every winter. That's kind of, I've, we've traveled all over, you know, different parts of the world and that's kind of the place we really fell in love with. Um, but yeah, I've seen pit vipers regularly out there on trail walks. Yeah. But yeah, you just got back from there. Yes. Which was, uh, it's just so nice to kind of get away. You know, Indiana can be gloomy Mm -hmm. this time of year. You don't see as much sunshine and, um, it's nice to just get away for a little bit. Um, the weather there is perfect. I mean, it'll rain, you know, I mean, it, you are in the rainforest, so you'll get rain pretty regularly, but just for a little while. Yeah. Um, 
So, but yeah, it's a whole different world there. I mean, the outdoors are amazing and they're just a different kind of outdoors. It's a new adventure. Hunting is illegal there, but fishing is great. I saw that. And I, you also explained, because I was following very closely, I, first of all, loved that you explained the budget of staying there that long and how you can do it for, for not that expensive. Um, Right. It's not bad at all. Really. We can stay. We've gone probably for the same price. Some people will spend in a week at an all-inclusive, you yes. know, it's, yeah. it's a different type of traveling, but at the same time, we, we're able to go for, you know, mm-hmm. two months. We're not working. So, right. uh, so we do have to budget, you know, um, but yeah, we've, we've always traveled. We, Blake and I used to backpack and we budget $30 a day total. You know, <laughs> That's and, my kind of budget there. Hostel <laughs> yeah, and get a bed for $5 a night at some places and eat, you know, $2 meal and make our own food. So like <laughs> we've had experience across the spectrum of staying in nicer places and uh-huh. then, you know, the backpack world. So yeah, yeah, I love that. I do, you had mentioned on this trip that the deer, that it's the, uh, it's the country's like, it's, yeah. It's It's a national animal. The white-tailed deer uh is the national animal of Costa Rica, which is just crazy to me (laughs) in a world where they have like sloths and monkeys and, uh, like different types of monkeys. And then, you know, scarlet macaws and, and panther or jaguars and, you know, all of these amazing animals, they chose the deer (laughs) (laughs) as their national animal, which it has been like, it's been poached to, they're nearly extinct there, but yeah, you'd, I've never seen one in the wild. There's a, there's a rescue center near where we stay. And I have seen some white tail there and they're much smaller, you know, than what we typically find, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's just crazy to me. I was cracking up. I was like comparing it to the bald eagle. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I know. I'm just, yeah, it it blows my mind. But um, the indigenous people are allowed to hunt in Costa Rica. But other than that, it's it's illegal to hunt. Yeah. That's pretty cool, though. I've been to Africa and I've been to Haiti and I've been to a couple of different Mm -hmm. places where the cultures are different. And Mm -hmm. There's such an appreciation for that for me. And I think whenever you're traveling outside of the country, there's that that hesitancy of, you know, careful watching, being safe and that kind of thing. But being mm-hmm. able to be in a place long enough to be comfortable, to be right. a part of that culture, it changes you. It changes you it, into a person – you appreciate things more. You see uh, their appreciation of where they are. And um, I don't know, every time I've come back from trips like that, it just makes I know, the, my viewpoint of my world becomes right. a little bit, it's just different. It changes you. And that's why, yeah. And, and I think that's why it's so important to me to get sway, to take him and let him experience the world. If I could send everybody, yeah, you know, outside of the U S and into, and not just to, I know people say they've been to like Mexico or where, wherever, but most of the time they're going to resorts and those right. resorts are just 
basically America, just away from the U.S. So, uh, but people who who do and have traveled and get to experience other cultures and see that there are different ways that people live their lives, I feel like that opens their mind a little more mm-hmm. and opens up uh, conversations that maybe they wouldn't have been comfortable having beforehand, or maybe you know, we'll just open the mind to different views of life because there are so many different ways that people live in the world. And so just that experience, I feel like can change a person like you said, and, and make you appreciate a, what you have and also, you know, appreciate other cultures and, and the diversity that we can find. I think that we talk a lot about the need in other countries. And when I was in, I was in Africa for over two weeks and it was when I was working at the hospital and we took, (laughs) Um, antibiotics and and those kind of things over to different clinics. But it was the ability to see the need, but also see the beauty. And I think that when you do things where you only see the need, you don't appreciate the Mm -hmm. full spectrum of their world. And if you can't do that, then I think that it's, you're not fully experiencing that part of our world. And so being able to be in an area in Africa where there is desperate need and there's desperate need for healthcare and there's different, like just being able to live in that, but then to be able to see also the beauty that they experience every single day, whether it's through the animal life or, um, or the country itself, being able to go down from the coastal part of Africa or the coastal part of Haiti or wherever you are and to then be yeah. able to go inward and see um, just how life changes from one mile to the next. And right. it, I love traveling. I, lo- I hate right now that it has kind of taken a back seat um, yeah. because I think it's important to see outside of your – your area of your little yeah. circle, your bubble of where you are. Right, I think right. it's so but, important. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Well, I, I was jealous of your experience it. But. Oh yeah. I was, I was very jealous watching you fish in Costa Rica. <laughs> <laughs> it's so amazing. Like the, the, you know, Costa Rica is a big country that people pay, pay big money to go and catch like blue Marlin and, mm-hmm. and, Carpin and oh gosh, sailfish. There's, there's a, a rooster fish. Like there are some amazing spots to fish in Costa Rica. And I've, I'd love to have that experience at some point. We haven't, you know, that's not something we've been able to do yet, but mm-hmm. um, able to fish from the shore. I'm happy with that too. So um, the last year we went, we took, this was my first year, I was like, I'm going to fish this time in Costa Rica. Cause we've been to Costa Rica a couple times prior to this. Um, but so we took just like an expandable fishing pole, you know, that's easy to travel with. Yeah. And, um, my dad hooked us up with, with some rigs because he, he surf fishes in Florida. He's gotten, he's really gotten into that and just loves it. So we went out there and like, I never saw anybody fishing from the shore. And I was like, why isn't anybody out here fishing? I just don't get it. And then it took me a little bit. So I figured out that the locals fish with a hand line. So basically what they do is they'll, they'll take like a piece of bamboo, um, or they, their fishing line comes on like a real, like a bigger roll than, mm-hmm. than 
be normally fine. And they'll um, just use that and tie their hook at the end and some bait and they'll basically lasso that out into the water and that's how they fish. So I didn't, I couldn't tell they were fishing because I didn't have a, see a fishing pole, you know? So I was like, until I was able, I was walking down the beach one day and I was like, what is he doing? And I figured out that he was fishing, you know, one of the locals, I'm like, that's how they fish around here. So I went back and I, I was like, babe, I want to learn to fish like that. Like I want to that's how they, that's how the locals do it. That's what I want to do. So, um, so we went and found some bamboo and, and yeah, I started, taught myself to, to handline fish. And then this year I was fortunate to meet, um, a local, his, his name was Roy and he, he had his grandson out was fishing with them and we got to talking. It was, it's tough cause there's a language barrier and my, I understand a decent amount of Spanish. Like I lived with a family in Spain for a few months back in my college years and taught English to their kids. So I, but that was like 10 years ago and I haven't kept up with my Spanish. So it's hard when there's a language barrier, Mm -hmm. Um, but we're able to, between what little Spanish that I can speak and, and his English, we were able to communicate. And so it was neat fishing with, I go out and fish with him during the week. And, and, uh, so that was fun. Just kind of, he'd show, he's like, come over, like you need to fish right here. He's like, there's a hole. He goes fish right here. And he'd show me different spots to fish. And, and it's just, it's neat seeing how other cultures, you know, do it and, and, and how, how they've grown up and, and what their experiences with the outdoors are. So yeah. Being the only one out there with a pole. <laughs> I know. With I was screen tourist. To I was like, I can't. Yeah. I'm like, I'm not going to do it. I feel, I feel <laughs> privileged in a way that I have a fishing pole and you can, I mean, out there, people who go on the boats and stuff, they'll have fishing poles and things, but but, um, yeah, shore fishing, they definitely, the hand line's the way to go. <laughs> That's pretty cool. And, and to be able to, to share that with Roy and to share that with your family mm-hmm. and, um, and those are the moments you can't replace. You can't, uh, right. pretend to do those. You have to live. Yeah. yeah. You can't, it's not one of those things you can book online through a guide. It's one no. of those that you, you just got to step out of your comfort zone and get out there and try and meet some people, I guess is the only way to happen. So speaking of comfort zone, I noticed that you have been catfish noodling. Yes. And (laughs) I love it. Like I love it. It's hard. It scares the patooie out of me. (laughs) It still scares me. I'm not going to lie. Like it takes a long time to, to, you know, get, it's not something you ever really get used to. Uh-huh. I, or I haven't, I've done it for two years now. So, and by <laughs> last year I was like, oh yeah, I've got this no big deal. But, but I feel like the first fish of every season, you're like jumping back in. You're like, okay, here we go. And you're always scared. But the very first time the very first time you ever do it, it is terrifying. Like <laughs> you don't know, you don't know what you're getting into. You can't see it. You can't watch anybody else do it. Uh-uh. Like you can see people go underwater and that's about it. And they can describe to you what is going to be like, they can describe to you like how to do it, but <laughs> you just have to literally jump in. 
And, There's and no preparing. It's like my no, son calls it that not. jump scare. Like that. I think that's, yeah, that's what's so scary. There's no preparing for it. And you can't see the fish coming, mm-hmm. which I honestly, I don't think I would want to, even if I could, because then your first knee jerk reaction, if, if you see a fish coming at you, you know, as fast as they do is to pull back and you don't want to do that. Right. If you're noodling, cause the point is to let the fish bite. So <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's like, it's such an adrenaline rush and it's hard to explain, but you kind of just get addicted to it. I don't know. I don't know how else to describe it. Um, so I'm already looking forward to this season. It's right around the corner, Yeah, you know, start- Alabama and Tennessee, there's a, they can start finding fish like mid-May and oh then straight through August. So yeah, how I'm do really, you know, <laughs> how do you know that it's not a snapping turtle? Like that would so, be my biggest fear is going always, into the wrong spot. Yeah. That's always everyone's biggest fear is like coming across a snapping turtle. So for the most part, that the old snapping turtles have to have air. Yeah. Like there has to be an air pocket for a turtle or a snake in, in order to stay in a hole. Um, so most of these holes that we're noodling there, is, there are no air pockets. Okay. Like there's no, way. um, you know, and like a catfish will actually bite. They'll actually kill turtles if, if, you know, to protect their, when they're spawning. Yeah. If they're, turtle that's coming into their hole that I've seen, I found uh turtle shells just cracked in half and stuff from, you know, a catfish. So snapping turtles, I guess, typically go in head first. Okay. So they'll feel the shell. And I think if, if it's ridge, if there's ridges on one side, that's the tail end. And so they'll grab the tail and pull the turtle out. But, um, and so I'm like, that to me sounds crazy. And I know that they've, I, there's a guy who's like, they've found beavers and muskrats in some of those holes. And I'm like, y'all are nuts, but I'll try anything once. So we'll, <laughs> we'll see how that goes. But yeah, I'm a little nervous, a little bit nervous about, about, you know, snapping turtle season. <laughs> yeah. I don't mess with snapping turtles. <laughs> <laughs> no. My, uh-uh. No, my father-in-law does it too. And he's, and he's got a few cuts from some turtles, but yeah. when it comes to catfish noodling, if, if it's, if you're somebody who wants to try it, because I've also been asked many times, where do I go? Who do I talk to? Like, I want to give it a try. How, where, how do I do it? And so, you know, find a reputable guide. Not every, it's not legal in every state. It's actually right. illegal in Indiana. So, um, I'll go to Illinois to Wren Lake. There's a guide service out there. The Wren Lake fishing guides, they're amazing. Um, you know, and they've, I, I take there, I've taken groups of girls with them, um, for their first experiences, you know, noodling and guides you out do the proper way to do it because it can be dangerous mm-hmm. to be honest. If you're going out and, um, noodling like boat ramps or in some people will find holes in like riprap and stuff. It can be dangerous. Right, um, right. So these guide services typically have boxes they've made, which are a lot safer. You can't, you're not going to get your arm stuck or you know exactly what you're getting into. Um, mm-hmm. and they can show the proper way to do it. So if you ever, you know, want to consider giving it a try, that's definitely the way to go. Yeah. It's, it's one of those, I grew up catfish catfishing and that 
in that in Alabama, northeastern mountain area is where my family is from. And okay. but we were fishing with, you know, a line and usually hot dogs. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> just on the side of a pond. And and that's just that's how I grew up. But I would catch snapping turtles half the time. Yeah. And yeah. it they, my granddaddy would come around. He'd be like, did you catch a catfish or a turtle? And I'd say, it's a snapping turtle. And he goes, okay, put it down. <laughs> um, and, you know, he never even messed with the snapping turtles. He's like, yeah. that's that's one thing that he was always very hesitant when a turtle was caught on. He goes, okay, let's be very careful. Let's be with a catfish. He's like, oh, take it off the lawn. And, um, <laughs> But that turtle, he goes, okay, everybody stop what they're doing. It became a very serious situation. <laughs> and I think it was yeah, because – I don't either. I think it was because there was a family member with him growing up who lost a finger. And so yeah. from that oh, point God. on, he said, no, we take this very seriously. <laughs> yeah. I That would be horrifying. Yeah. Just – and also the they have, you know, the claws on their feet can do some damage yes. to you too. It's not even just their their mouths. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. the, that's the worst. But um one of my buddies who does who catches snapping turtles in the creek banks and stuff, he's got scars down his arm from yeah. from a turtle. So I'm <laughs> I would definitely be hesitant. We make turtle soup, like we have a turtle soup party every year with uh, my husband's family. So we do catch some turtles and eat we'll eat like fried turtle and we put turtle in the turtle soup obviously but um so we we catch them to eat when that we would can. be very interesting what texture mm-hmm. I've never had turtle I've had alligator I've had snake it's, I've had but never turtle yeah I would I haven't had snake but I've had gator I would say it's similar okay. very similar to gator okay yeah yeah it's a different That's texture like, all of those reptiles yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they are. <laughs> it's like kind of it's a little tough, but I mean it has a really good flavor. Anything mm-hmm. has a good flavor flavor if you fry it though, right? So it's true. But <laughs> soup, we put it in soup with also beef and then chicken. So there's okay. a variety of meats and turtle soup. So it's kind of like but, a gumbo. Yeah, it, it's similar, like to ve- it's a cross between vegetable soup and gumbo, I would say, but okay. not spicy. It's pretty I don't know. More hearty. You said, let's try some at some point. (laughs) Hey, next time you're in Tennessee, we're not that far from each other. (laughs) I've got stocked up in my freezer. We make a huge vat of turtle soup and then we have freeze it up for the whole year. So, yeah. Yum. (laughs) Yes. I'd love to try that sometime. I'm very adventuresome. We were supposed to have a wild game dinner uh, this past weekend. And because of the snow and ice, we had to push it until after turkey season. Um, and so I'm very adventuresome. I will try almost anything. Um, I, there are a couple people who trap that will eat skunk and I just don't, I, I don't know about that. That's interesting. I would like to, I want, does it have any of like the skunk flavor or is it no I think that as long as you don't get the scent glands I mean it's kind of like beaver and all of that yeah Yeah. I've had guinea pig 
in Peru one time. I had guinea pig. I've had llama. I've had meats in Vietnam. I'm not entirely sure even what I ate. <laughs> you might not want <laughs> like, to know. Okay. I'm like, I don't. Yeah, you go buy meat off the street that somebody's cooking and you're like, you can't ask them what it is because no. I definitely don't speak that language. <laughs> no, and you just eat it and but say I'll thank you. <laughs> yeah, I'll try anything once or even twice to figure out, you know, yeah, if I like it. Or, um, I, the, it's funny because the first time I went, I went on a, a girl's duck hunt. No, this was the second time. This was my second duck hunt ever. But I took as a joke, I took some um, bacon cheddar flavored grasshoppers. No, crickets. Sorry. Bacon uh-huh. cheddar flavored cricket. as a joke. Like I was like, I brought you girls some. I brought some snacks. Who wants one? We're like, we're in flooded temperature. <laughs> and all the girls are like, yes, I'm starving. So <laughs> <laughs> So I bring them out and I was impressed. They were like, no, you don't eat those. So I ate one. They're not bad. Honestly, they're not too bad. And so I was surprised, but almost all of the girls tried a cricket. I was really impressed. Um, Hey, you don't get in between a woman and her snacks. And if you're hungry. No. Yeah. (laughs) Cricket's not that bad. It's got a lot of protein. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, before we get done, I do want to talk about chasing deer. Um, yeah, because this was, this is a heart project for you. So tell us a yeah. little bit about chasing deer. So it all started. I was, I had a baby shower to go to and I stopped at Bass Pro because they're, um, the dad's a big hunter and loves the outdoors. And I was like, I want to find them, you know, maybe a book or something. Cause they, it was one of those where instead of a card, you're supposed to bring a book. I'm like, I'm yeah. going to find them in a hunt. So I was looking around and, and Bass Pro has a ton of great books, like different outdoorsy type books, but none of them, not a single one was about hunting. And I was like, man, there has to be something out there. So then I got on Amazon and I start looking on Amazon and I'm not finding anything on Amazon either. And I'm like, okay, this is a problem. Like mm-hmm. there needs there needs to be something for children about the outdoors. Like my mom was a librarian. Books are how you know, you read about different things you love or are interested in. And, um, so that kind of sparked, and I've always kind of been into creative writing. I enjoy writing. Um, so I was like, I, I want to write a children's book. So I brought the idea up to Blake. I was like, listen, I think this is something I'd really like to give a try. I have no idea. I've never written a children's book before, (laughs) but he's like, no, I think that might be a good idea. You should go for it. So um, that night after dinner, after I discussed it with him, I went out on our front porch and I sat down and I wrote Chasing Deer. Like mm. just off, it just almost to where it is right now. I did a few revisions and different things, but in about an hour, I had basically the book that I wanted. Yeah. Uh, and so it, it just, I feel like, you know, it was just meant to be as easily as I was able to write it. And and my goal behind the book is to just, is to get it into as many hands as I can, as Mm -hmm. many families as I can, as many kids as I can, um, whether they hunt or not, because I feel like it helps open up conversations with adults about what hunting is. Um, You know, even to a child who maybe has their family doesn't hunt. Maybe they don't know anything about it, but, um, I, I'm, my goal is to just get it out there and, um, 
I'm hoping it, it helps open up those doors of conversation and plant a seed, you know, into these, into these kids about like maybe spark an interest, I guess, yeah. into hunting and the outdoor lifestyle and kind of what we're about. And, um, so that's, that's ultimately my goal behind chasing deer. Um, I, we hid like some deer tracks through the illustrations. One of my friends I went to college with, she's a great illustrator. It was, it was funny because she doesn't hunt. So we went back and that's what took the majority of the time in this process was the illustrations. I would like send her pictures and give her ideas. And yeah. so we had to, it took a while because she, you know, she has family who hunts, but she'd never been hunting before. So, um, that was, that was an experience in itself as using an illustrator who wasn't, you know, as much into the outdoors, but she did a fantastic job. And, and I'm really proud of, I'm really proud of this book. Um, the, the first week that I introduced it on, on Facebook, cause I'm self-published. So, yeah. um, I had to find a printer and, you know, um, just kind of figure it all out on my own. You had to do all the work uh, that a publisher would normally do. Yeah. yeah. And, and if you want to go through a publisher, like that's great too, but they, they, it takes about two years, I think yeah. to even, and that's if they'll accept, you know, what you have. So right. I found it there. I, it was, I was done. So I posted it on Facebook and I just got so much amazing feedback from people, like way more than I ever anticipated. Um, people giving it, sending money to have books donated, um, and just bought, purchasing tons of books to send to friends. Like, so I've had books donated to public libraries and schools and daycare, like preschools in different places, just because people have been so amazing. Um, you know, sending me money to donate and oh, get yeah. them like other people, are passionate about getting kids involved in the outdoors as well. And they have to be like, if you are a true hunter and outdoorsman, I feel like you, it's important or you understand the importance of, you know, raising future generations who, who also have that passion and that love for the outdoors and, and the outdoor sporting world. So, yeah. Well, if you think about it, so I come from a family that didn't hunt my brother's I was grown and gone and married by the time they started hunting. And oh, okay. so my sister, who is closer to me in age, she is not a hunter. In fact, it is not really talked about at all in her family. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so you can tell a difference like with our children – and it's I'm not downing mm-hmm. it in any way by any means that each family is different. But in our family, mm-hmm. my kids from the time we were talking about the sounds that animals make, we were also talking about the food that we were eating. And yeah. you know, I would think that in the PETA world, they would call it brainwashing. In our world, we call it educating. Um mm-hmm. And it's just a natural process. This is what you were eating. You were eating ham. You were eating bacon, my love language. And it comes from a pig. Amen. <laughs> it's a love language. Um, it comes from a pig. The pig says this. This is how, this is, you right. know, what is on our table. This is a cow. This is, we make hamburgers. This is a deer. This is what we hunt. Mm-hmm. This is why we hunt it. And so it's just, it was a natural 
movement into respect for the animals that we're hunting. And for a family that doesn't have that background, how do you introduce? Because even parents sometimes wonder, how do I introduce this to a child? And so Mm -hmm. having literature out there that makes it easier for parents to have those conversations and to introduce a young child into this community and into this lifestyle Like you said, you couldn't find it out there and it was needed. And so, um, like I said in the beginning, it's kind of a passion project. You saw a need and you filled it, but there's so much more to it because of who you are and your background and your love for the community. And I, I just, I commend it because, um, a lot of people uh-huh. will see a need and say, well, I hope somebody does something about it and not <laughs> actually tackle it themselves. Right. Yeah, I think you're right. And it, it, but it was one of those where it, it was a big need, right? Like mm-hmm. I want my son, I want my son to grow up and I want hunting to still be, you know, an option for him. Right. And that's kind of, concern for our future. I mean, you see numbers kind of dwindling and, and we need the conservation dollars. We need the habitat. We need people to care about, we need people, we need hunters. We need people who live this lifestyle. And so I want that to be an option for him in the future. And I saw this as a way of helping to possibly secure that future a Mm -hmm. little more. Um, for him and for other kids. And, um, so that's kind of, you know, what, that was my feeling behind the project. And, and, and then when it came to fruition, just the amount of support and others who, who were like, yes, thank you for, you know, publishing this. And I was honestly blown away. I I'm still blown away by it. Um, so I'm hoping in the future, you know, to, to publish and maybe a few more, I want to do one about turkey hunting and maybe yes. fishing. I've got all kinds of ideas, but, but, um, you know, I'm just trying to make this one a success. So I have the ability to, Keep to going. do another. Yeah. yeah. I like but, that um, thought process behind having those deer tracks to look for, because that some of our favorite books and we, we are book lovers in our house. I think both of my kids' first birthdays, it was Bring Your Favorite Childhood Book. And uh, and it was a lot of those books have things that you're looking for in there. But if you think about it in Chasing Deer, learning how to track is hu- a huge part of it. And it's something that kids can do from the very beginning before they can even hold a gun. Oh, yeah. When they're little, they're – I remember – um, just taking my son for a walk or like recently, you know, when it snowed and we were pointing out different tracks, like yeah. those are deer, that world, this is, you know, when it snows, it's so much easier, but, it is. but he was able to find deer tracks early on just because we point them out. And so understanding what they look like, especially if kids maybe haven't grown up in a home where, you know, their parents hunt and different things. If, if they see it and read it in this book at school and maybe they'll pay attention to the tracks and maybe when they're out playing outside sometime, they'll see some and be like, those are deer tracks and just kind of nurture that passion for it. I'm hoping that's oh, yeah. kind of my goal, but it's nice to have an interactive book too, to kind of get kids involved and interested, yes. especially at a younger 
So Yeah, and it can kind of grow with them. So you can right. get this as, you know, a newborn, get it for somebody that has a newborn. And as they grow, it kind of grows with them with the ability to be interactive and then start yeah. reading and start. So it kind of grows with them. But um, yeah, my kids were out yeah. in the snow That's- with their neighbors in the backfield and they were, oh, here's, let's mark because here's where the deer were. Oh, well, here's where a cat came through. Oh, Uh, And they were putting flags (laughs) of things to market. And the neighbors were like, I thought we were just coming out to play with the snow. (laughs) And there was so much more to do. Right. Yeah. It's just, it's a, it's a whole other world that maybe they hadn't, you know, hadn't opened. Kind of like last year during, you know, when all of this quarantine started, I was like, man, like, I took, I, I kind of got into foraging because I've always been interested in it and then I had time. So right. that's up a whole other world for my family as well. So then we went out hiking, like looking for different things. Um, my son's good at finding purple dead nettle now and, and, um, wild garlic and he'll just, yeah. you know, different things like that. But before you just go for a hike in the woods, you know, and now it's like, Oh, look, there's this and this, or there's these tracks. And it kind of opens your eyes. It's true. A different part of the world that maybe you weren't seeing before, even though it's been around you the whole time. It's true. It's so true. And I think that's, we, we have always loved that. I think last year, right. As things were closing up and, it was probably the mark where the the parents were going, oh my goodness, what are we going to do with these kids? Yeah. And it's like, hey, there are so many ways to begin getting into the outdoors through whether you're putting yeah. together a, a list of things for kids to check off when they're outside, what they can look for. And mm-hmm. um, I don't know. Avenger I just, hunt. Oh. yes. Yes. So it's, it's fun. Once you start doing it once, my kids started making their own scavenger hunts and um, it goes back to what we were talking about in the beginning about creating that ability to entertain yourself for you to use your imagination, Mm -hmm. but to bring the outdoors into that world. Right. And off the screens. And off the screens. (laughs) Which is so important. Yeah. Yeah, Being bored's a good I've told, like, I've told my son that so many times he doesn't understand cause he's four, but I'm like, you know, when you're bored, you teach yourself how to entertain yourself. Yeah. Like you don't need to be watching TV or playing a game or doing all this stuff, you know, on, which we don't really give him screens. So he hasn't, he hasn't figured out, you know, like the iPad and right. different apps and stuff that but I see that coming in the future when he goes to school and there's other mm-hmm. kids playing and who have video games and all this other stuff so I yeah. but I you know it's important to us that he learns to entertain himself and 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 um you know hopefully finds more enjoyment outside because there's a lot more to do outdoors than there is in indoors it's very to true. Be honest. it's very true we actually we met that this year with being at home for school, mm-hmm. my the teachers were going, hey, we're having a problem with with your my youngest. He's in he's about to be in middle school, but um, he said he's distracted all the time. And I said that's because he's never had a computer. Right. Yeah. We're we're in fifth grade. My daughter's in seventh grade, and they 
outside of us doing research on things for the outdoors, they've never Mm -hmm. had a computer that they've had to be on for seven hours in a day. Right. And that's so hard for kids anyway. Yes, it is so hard for kids anyway. But they went, oh, well, that makes sense. But we went, we went, you know, 10, 11, 12, almost 13 years without that. So it's doable. Um, they don't miss it. They see it with their friends. They experience it with their friends, but they know that when they're here, they're going to be told to go outside and they're going to be told to, if it's raining, use their imagination inside. If they're not out there playing in the rain Mm -hmm. and And I love that part of it. I love that they can look back on it and say, like you said, boredom is good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just talking about the rain and stuff. I, I, um, you know, I've heard, I have some friends who their kids went to, it was some type of school before it was like a preschool, but it was the outdoor preschool. It's based uh. in California for the name, but there are no bad days. There are no rainy days. They're just days. You like you dress appropriately for those days and those kids are outside no matter what. So just you talking about the kids going out and playing in the rain oh, and yeah. just reminded me I of love that. that of, yeah, me too. Yeah, I do. I love that. And I think I like that concept. There aren't uh, days that you can't go out there. Um, I mean, you just have we, to dress. Yes. Really. Yeah, you have to be prepared for it, which in essence teaches lessons along the way as well. Well, Allison, I appreciate you hanging out with me today. There were things that I still wanted to talk more about, so we might have to do it again. (laughs) I love talking to you. I could talk about this stuff all literally all day. So thank you for reaching out to me. And uh, I'm still so honored that you wanted to do a podcast with me. So I've had a lot of fun and I'd love to, you know, chat with you again sometime. Yeah, it would be fun. Tell everybody how A, they can follow you and B, how they can find Chasing Deer. Okay, uh, so Chasing Deer, their paperback version is available on Amazon. Um, And then the hardback version is available online. Um, I have a company that's that's listed it for me. It's booneandbuffalo.com. Boone is B-O-O-N-E. So Um, booneandbuffalo.com. You can Google it or they'll have an Instagram and Facebook page. Okay. So, and then I'm available. I'm my Instagram is amhunter11, but I also have a, I have a page dedicated to children of the outdoors. If you want to send me pictures of kids that, you know, involved in the outdoors, I'd love to post and share them. Um, Just shoot me a DM, but that page is raised to chase the wild. So I have a Facebook page and an Instagram page raised to chase the wild. Awesome. Well, thank you, Allison. Yeah. Thank you so much again. I hope you have a great weekend. Great day. Thanks.